This is News Source 1 Michiana. Your balanced source of news for the community. Welcome to Michiana Speak Out with Keith Thews. An interactive podcast where we can talk to you or you can speak to us. The show begins right after the national news. News Nation This Hour, I'm Vic Vaughn. The U.S. unemployment rate has dropped to 4.6%. President Biden. Before we passed the rescue plan, forecasters said it would take to the end of 2023, to the end of 2023, to get to 4.6 unemployment rate. Today, we've reached that rate two years before forecasters thought it was possible. Reacting to the 531,000 jobs added in October, that's just part of the good news for the economy. Revised numbers from the Labor Department today show a combined 250,000 more jobs added between August and September than initially thought. And average hourly wages are up nearly 5% from a year ago. American climate negotiators are meeting with their Russian and Chinese counterparts at the U.N. summit in Glasgow, Scotland. U.S. climate envoy John Kerry describes them as meaningful talks. Sound of protesters outside the summit calling for more action against global warming. Neither Russia or China sent its president to the summit. More than 200 did, including the U.S. Pfizer says it's easy to use pill to treat COVID-19 cuts, hospitalizations and deaths by nearly 90 percent. The AP's Mike Hempen reports. Pfizer plans to ask the Food and Drug Administration and international regulators to authorize it as soon as possible. After Pfizer applies, the FDA could make a decision within weeks or months. The FDA is already reviewing a similar pill made by Pfizer's competitor, Merck. It gained approval for use in the United Kingdom yesterday. The State Department stepping up measures to find the origins of a mysterious illness affecting U.S. personnel abroad, including putting career foreign service officers Jonathan Moore in charge of the effort. I would humbly ask all of you who have been hurt as a result of these incidents to report your symptoms and concerns if you have not done so already and to please be willing to speak with us. The so-called Havana Syndrome has so far frustrated three consecutive White House administrations and sickened diplomats with vertigo, dizziness, nausea and headaches. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and the News Nation Now app. I'm Vic Vaughn. Happy Friday. This is Michigan Speak Out. I'm your host, Keith Thews. November the 5th, 2021. It is Friday. It's warming up for a weekend. The skies are clear at the time of this recording. Oh my gosh, what a great afternoon it has turned out to be. It's also the weekend, so get out and enjoy it. Last of the warm weather that we can see next weekend. Looks like we got a uh, system that could bring us the white stuff. Still a bit early, but they're warning us prepare, so we're just going to soak up these nice warm 50 and even in the low 60s while we got it man i couldn't believe it i was we were able to get out of work early for this week over in bristol and word to everybody if you are traveling that little bridge is now open just outside of the downtown on stero 15 just by the rebel gas station it's now open but the toll road bridge is closed so if you're trying to get around that you're going to need to divert down through the industrial park over to County Road 29. 
and then backtrack over on County Road 4 East to get back to State Road 15 or, or take the detours all the way out to Middlebury and then up through White Pigeon. What a detour that is. Well, you know what? When the good Lord speaks, you need to listen and you need to act and uh, to follow that follow that nudge. Today at work, I got a chance to listen to some of our old podcasts when we used to be doing the Michiana Homegrown Talent Radio and the old formerly uh, known as St. Joe Valley Gospel Radio, which is now Roaring Light Radio for us, our sister station. Well, we used to do podcasts, a few of them back in 2018. Had quite a number of listeners back then. And uh, got a chance to do a little preaching on that. And so the good Lord kind of nudged me to share some more blasts from the past, including a message that I delivered to the one church I used to attend and you do some youth leading and some preaching at and stuff like that music called Rise Up and Walk, Pastor Samuel Kimwenji. Kimwenji, great pastor from Kenya and his wife Rosemary and the three kids. Um, that is located um, just off of the split in the road by Bristol um, and Baldwin. They've redone that intersection, but that's where Rise Up and Walk is located. A very uh, powerful speaking pastor, Samuel. Great guy. And uh, so I got a chance to podcast my sermon for his church um, and decided the good Lord's kind of nudging me to share that. So I'm doing that today for our weekend afternoon show. We are Christian-based and Pastor Joel, his message is also going to be shared today from Happy and Whole in Him. And we also have Paul Harvey. So that's all coming up here on Michiana Speak Out, a blast from the past. Remember, the cold stuff is coming. Here is some upcoming information of how to apply for Christmas assistance in 2021 at the Elkhart Salvation Army. They will begin taking applications electronically beginning October 25th and running through November 8th. You can apply at www.saangeltree.org. These applications must be completed by November 8th for you to be considered for Christmas assistance. You must include everyone who is living in your household on your application. You must upload the following documents into your application to be considered for assistance. They are a current driver's license or government-issued ID or passport, proof of address that is in the last 30 days and no junk mail, proof of all income including food stamps, and you must provide birth certificates for all children ages 14 and under. Keep a close eye on your email for updates and reminders regarding your application pickup date and time. If you need assistance, Christmas assistance, keep an eye out for these appointed dates for the Salvation Elkhart. Once again, they will begin accepting electronic holiday electronically October 25th through November 8th at www.saangeltree.org. Take care and have a wonderful day.
Hello everybody, this is Keith with the message for your life for this week. I know we've been having a lot of fun uh, interviewing folks, but it's time to get to the nitty gritty, and that is getting into the Word. And we're going to get started with a message called, Will You Answer the Call? And once you open your Bibles to chapter 12 of the first book of the Bible, and that is the book of Genesis and the Old Testament. You know, there are people that are called by God to do certain things, and the challenge is, will you accept that call to give your all to Jesus or to give your all to God, or will you run away and then God brings you back, or do you run away for good? Hopefully not. Please don't if you're thinking about that. But let's look at chapter 12, and we're talking about Abram, who we know of as Abraham. And listen to what Abram did. Chapter 12, beginning. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, as the one and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai, and his brother's son Lot, and all the possessions they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. And on they went, and he became the father of many nations. So you can see Abram, or Abraham as we know him, heard the call of God, and went forth. And uh, continuing on, the Lord also calls other people too in the Old Testament. Let's see what happened to good old Moses. And we're going to go to the next book of the Bible, which is Exodus in the Old Testament, chapter 3, of the good story of Moses and the burning bush. Chapter 3. Verse 1, Moses was keeping the flock of, the fa of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He, had, he led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush has not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet. For the place which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
Now the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Persicites, the Hivites, and all the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has come to me, and I have seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall worship God on this mountain. The great I am. I am who I am. God Almighty called out to Moses. And after some discussion, Moses did agree. And his brother also spoke to him, Aaron. Or spoke to the people, I should say. But you know, there are some in the Old Testament that say, no, I don't want to follow what you're going to do, and it takes God to turn them around, and then they say, okay, I will obey. Think of what happened to good old friend Jonah, Jonah and the whale. God told him, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell him that this place is going to get wiped out. He says, nope, I'm not doing it, and he headed west. Storm came up. Jonah said it was because of him that the storm came. They threw him overboard. He got swallowed up by the whale, spit out on the dry land. And then he got the message and went out and told them and they repented. The folks in Nineveh repented. So it does happen that folks can say no and God gets a hold of them and changes their life. Let's look at some other people, though, and think about these people called by God. Ordinary folks dropping what they did in their life. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's go into Matthew. Okay, we're going to go to chapter 4 in Matthew, and we're going to start at verse 18. And all the scripture readings tonight are out of the New Revised Standard Version. Chapter 4, verse 18 in Matthew, the Gospel. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Think about this. These people met Jesus Christ personally. They believed in who they saw. They followed without question, without haste. And they went on just amazing, amazing journeys and learned 
from the Son of God Almighty. But unfortunately, there are folks out there that say, no, I, I choose to do something else right now, and they make some very harsh decisions. Let's go ahead and skip forward in the book of Matthew to chapter 19, verse 16. And it's about a young, rich, rich young man. Then someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you went to enter this life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, also you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have kept all these, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. May God bless the reading of this word. So think about that. Who are you going to follow when Jesus calls you and asks you to do something? He's recently asked me to lead a youth group, something I never expected to be doing. Are you going to say, yes, I'm going to accept that call? Or are you going to say, no? Also, the most important thing if you do not know Jesus Christ, he's calling to you right now. He's going to say, I want you to be with me. I want you to accept me. I will forgive everything that you have done. And I want to be the person in your life that you can trust. Your best friend who loves you more than anyone in the world that can forgive you like no other can forgive. If Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart right now, through hearing the scripture or whatever, will you accept him? Will you say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart and forgive me for the sins that I have caused? And you can spell those sins out. Will you do that? The choice is yours. Think of your future. Jesus is calling you in one way or another to do a task for him. Or to say, I am knocking on the door of you and your heart. Please let me in. May God bless you. May God love you. And may you have a great week. And if you know Jesus, talk to somebody about him. It will be the best thing you can do. Pray with somebody. Serve them. Love them. Help them. Whatever it takes. You have a good week, everybody. We will talk with you again later. This has been our message for this week. May God bless it.
News Source 1 Michiana is still your station for happy and whole in him and school and community. News from Sylvia Stark. Michiana Racing Coverage still expounds with Ron Verash and we give a hearty station welcome to Fred Webster who will cover Plymouth and Rochester News. More is coming next. Hello and good afternoon brethren. This is Pastor Samuel Kamwenji of Rise Up and Walk Church here in Elkhart. And I just come today to greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and say, hey, we have a good God. And today I want to encourage you that we can live beyond our limits. God is challenging us to get out of our comfort zone. And getting out of our comfort zone means that we are growing. And if you are facing problems this week, chaos, uh, trials, just know that you are in a good place to break out to go to the next level. So I want to encourage you, whatever you are facing, whatever your day is this week, this, this month, this year, just you hang on there because the grace of God will launch you to the next level. If you are patient, enduring, and also you constantly have the word of God leading you. We have to have a revelation of God's word in order for us to live beyond our limits, get out of the comfort zone. So may the Holy Spirit empower you today. May you know that you are destined for greatness in Christ. May you know that you can arise and become just like the scriptures has given us examples of many men and women that went through a lot of problems. But they did not stop there. When you're going through the valley, when you're going through the storms of life, you hang in there and hang tight. And we're going to pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. So, Father in heaven, we pray for everyone that hears this message, that their hearts be encouraged, that their spirit may be lifted up, that they know they are following the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So I speak strength to everybody today, those that are weary, those that are discouraged, those that are facing storms of life, we declare the word of God to prevail in the name of Jesus and the, their circumstances, and to you belongs all the glory and honor. God bless you, my friend, and we'll see you again. Happy Friday. I'm Joel of Heart City Church. Welcome to Happy and Whole in Him. Let's spend five minutes with Jesus. We've come to the final part of the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew 6.13, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, that first part may come as a shock. Would God really lead us into temptation? We think of temptation only negatively, but this Greek word also carries the sense of refining or testing. The same word is used in James 1.12 for the man who remains steadfast under tests, and he will receive the crown of life. When we pray that God not lead us into temptation, we're praying first that God will keep us from those tests will fail, and second, that when he does lead them into, us into tests, he will then support and deliver us. And speaking of deliverance, we then pray, God deliver us from evil. I want to note this could and perhaps should be translated, deliver us from the evil one, referring to the devil. Jesus likely has the devil in mind, being he just battled Satan in the wilderness before giving this Sermon on the Mount in which he teaches us the Lord's Prayer. It's also how Luther, other reformers, and many ancients translated this. So I consider it imperative to keep Satan in mind when we pray this, 
because the nearer you draw to Christ, the more fierce the attacks of the devil will be on you. I hope you believe that. Christian writer C.S. Lewis spoke about the two opposite errors we tend towards regarding the devil and his demons. Either we make too much of them, or we live as though they don't exist. And our day is more prone to the second error. Despite all the devils and evil spirits we'll see in the Halloween decorations, which actually reveals our fascination, many today ignore or even mock supernaturalism as anti-intellectual and superstitious. Consider when horrible evils happen, you know, mass shootings and violence that just leaves us scratching our heads. Reporters and experts have a never-ending list of the contributing causes, but nowhere will you find the devil making our nightly newscast. This tells us that CNN, Fox, ABC, name your news source, they don't have a clue what's really going on. They can sound so enlightened with all their science, research, and statistics, but they are clueless that mankind is a battlefield where a cosmic supernatural battle is being waged. Tony Merida says, well, we think we're so advanced, yet the streets still run with blood. Humans are being oppressed, treated like animals, families are breaking down everywhere, and so on. We are in a broken world that is influenced by the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4.4. The Bible will not allow for a simplistic answer to the problems of this world. And the Bible tells us the devil is a powerful enemy we cannot ignore. Never puff out your chest and think, uh, the devil can't fool me. That's exactly what the devil hopes you'll think. Without God's help, he will destroy you as he has done to millions before you. Charles Spurgeon once said, The devil can make men believe that it is to their own advantage to do that which is causing their everlasting, lasting ruin. He can make men carry coals of fire in their bosoms and dream they shall not be burned. He can make them dance upon the very brink of hell as though they were on the verge of heaven. My friends, that is our enemy, and he has a playbook specially tailored for each one of us. Paul writes in Ephesians 6.12, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And this word wrestle indicates that this is an intimate conflict. Do you ever feel exhausted by temptation? Do you find your emotions have really big muscles at times? Do you find normal situations suddenly become fierce battles for no apparent reason? and you're left absolutely exhausted, worn out, like it's a struggle? You ever just find that life seems like darkness? We've all been there, bloodied, battered, bruised, and not physically, but mentally, spiritually, emotionally. My dear friend, this is the intimate conflict, the enemy seeking to take you down. This is why we pray to our Heavenly Father to deliver us from the evil one. And when we ask in faith, we will wonderfully discover both that He has and He will. Yes, the Father sent His Son Jesus to defeat this enemy we never could. Of course, the battle is not over. And why not? You ever wonder that? Jesus won the victory at the cross, and He could have simply dispatched of Satan in His entire demonic horror with the flick of His pinky finger, all gone just like that. But instead, 
He has chosen to take weak people, like you and me, who would not stand a chance on our own, and He fills us with His Holy Spirit so that we can march out as the most powerful people on the planet and go to war with all His enemies and bring in His kingdom. And why did He do this? Why do we get to join in the mission of crushing Satan's head? Well, somehow Jesus gets more glory when you share in the joy of his victory. I hope you think about that this weekend. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The following message is brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. The inherent right to work is one of the elemental privileges of a free people. Endowed as our nation is with abundant physical resources, and inspired as it should be with the high purpose to make those resources and opportunities available for the enjoyment of all, we approach this problem of re-employment with the real hope of finding a better answer than we have now. Your stuff can be more powerful than you think. Your stuff can be a resource for change. Donate to Goodwill where your donations help fund job placement and training for people in your community. Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. Mom? Dad? Let's talk about tackle football. I just learned about CTE, the brain disease caused by repeated hits to the head. The more years I play, the more I'm at risk. If you put me in tackle today... By the time I'm a senior in high school, I'll have played 13 years of tackle football. I could already have CTE, and it will continue to destroy my brain even after I stop playing. So by the time I'm your age... I could be fighting depression, struggling to keep my thoughts straight. I could become violent, even towards my own children. When I'm your age, what will matter to me is not my youth football career, but that like you, I'm a great parent and I can provide for my family. So please, keep me out of tackle football until I'm 14. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. We've been considering the Apostle James letter to the first century church. And while the first century church had some problems which may not be issues that concern the church today, there is one problem addressed in James 3 that shows we are more alike than we are different. The first century church had a tongue problem, a tongue problem. Let me read in its entirety what perhaps is the most popular message in the Bible about the most powerful muscle in the body. James writes, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. 
Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest to set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. When I was young, I would sometimes stick out my tongue at my sisters. And if they didn't respond in kind, they would run and tattle on me and I might get in trouble. So why did sticking my tongue out get them all riled up? And why was it seen as wrong? My mom would say, it was rude. The tongue is ugly. Actually, this was confirmed when I read an article about why so many folks today stick out their tongues in selfies. You see, sticking out the tongue is a way of covering up insecurities about our looks. Folks expect you to smile and pose to display your beauty in a picture. But if that makes you uncomfortable, you simply stick out your tongue in irony so as to look ugly intentionally. The tongue is an ugly body part. And James would agree. James tells us it is a world of unrighteousness. James says it's set on fire by hell. You and I, we could label our tongues as highly flammable. And if they're not contained, they can, as James puts it, start a forest fire. Except it's people who get burned. The only thing is James here does not give us Smokey the Bear's advice saying, only you can prevent forest fires. No, James says, no one can tame the tongue. And we saw yesterday, this was a huge problem for those who were professing faith in God. James said, Christians, they'll bless God with their mouths on Sunday, but then they walk out on a Monday cursing what God has made, particularly people who God made in his image. Do you think this is a problem in our day? As many Christians look around and see our society losing its moral footings, they feel we have a legitimate right right to gripe about. And yes, even curse unbelievers who live different lifestyles as though they knew how to live any differently. And James says we ought to know better. Listen again to verses 10 through 12. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. These illustrations are crystal clear as the point James is making. A spring is either a saltwater spring or a freshwater spring. Fig trees don't bear olives, they bear figs. Same is true of grapevines. Everything in nature is consistent. James doesn't have to quote scripture here. 
He says, you understand the laws of nature. Some things everyone knows ought not to be. Yet sadly, some Christians don't even blink that our tongue is like a tree that bears oranges one day and bananas the next. This is a glaring inconsistency. And here's what James is trying to push us to see. The tongue reveals more about us than we would care to admit. James' half-brother Jesus said, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Luke 6.45 The words our tongues form reveal what is inside, no matter how much we want to deny it. Have you ever heard a celebrity or someone after saying something really bad, they'll say, Oh, I didn't mean to say that. That was out of character for me. Jesus says that is who they are. And what they really meant to say was, I really did mean what I said. I just didn't want you to know what I was truly thinking. Friend, you and I have a problem. Our hearts are desperately sick, Jeremiah 17, 9, and our tongues reveal it to be so. But the good news is that when you can admit the bad news to God and ask him for help, he is willing and able to give you a new heart and to bring that work begun in you to completion. Why? Because as James told us in chapter 1, he is a father who gives good gifts, including your new life. James said at the moment we first believe, we are born of our father's word of truth, his word of truth. And when we realize that we are now his beloved children, we will by nature want to live pleasing lives, resembling our father, speaking words of truth and love to others. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. Hey, it's me, the rock t-shirt in the back of your closet. Dude, remember? You crowd surfed in me, man. But you haven't worn me in like forever. I get it, you're retired, but I still got some rock left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Now, the rest of the story. Bessie Whitehead, fifth grade teacher, had had enough. Lewis, she exclaimed, you will stay after class, and you can write on the blackboard 150 times, I am a bad boy. And he did. Now, Lewis was not really a bad boy. He was simply a prankster, a cut-up-a-class clown. But as a teen, Lewis fell in love with a bad boy sport, boxing. It was a Patterson, New Jersey neighbor, Johnny Lane, who initially inspired him. Johnny was on the fast track to fame as a prize fighter, tremendously impressed by Lewis's natural ability. Get yourself a manager, Johnny Lane advised, and Lewis did. His friend Abe Green, and then Lewis picked a striking new last name for himself and started training. Conservative parents would disapprove of his career move, so Lewis beseeched everybody he knew who knew not to tell mom and dad. And through ten triumphant professional fights, nobody did. Then one day, Lewis's Uncle Mike went to Lewis's father. Uncle Mike said, Hey, I have tickets for the big boxing match in Ringwood tonight. Lewis's father, Sebastian, shrugged, so. But Mike went on to explain that though he realized Sebastian was generally uninterested in sports, there was this new fighter, Lou King, whom everybody was talking about. Lou King, everybody agreed, was coming on strong in the fight game. 
and he was boxing that very evening. Sebastian, rather than argue with Mike, said, okay, he'd go. And imagine his surprise when the fight announcer that night called the name Lou King and into the ring climbed Sebastian's own son. Well, Lou King won fight number 11. It was the one the following morning he was destined to lose. For by the time the victorious but battle-scarred boy came down to the breakfast table, his mother, Helene, had heard all about the night before. To Helene's credit, she did not shout, nor sigh, nor cry, but she expressed her sentiments this way. To Lewis, she said, Do you remember when you were in the fifth grade and Miss Whitehead was very upset with you? Lewis nodded. You remember what she made you write on the blackboard a hundred and fifty times? Lewis remembered. Well, said Helene, her gaze at once very hot and very cold, that's the way I feel about you right now. Lewis spared his mother the trouble of repeating the hated phrase. I am a bad boy, he offered quietly. And that was all anybody ever said on the subject thereafter. It was plenty. Lewis never put on boxing gloves again. But the self-deprecatory sentence that he had had to write so many times on the blackboard for Miss Whitehead was to follow Lewis everywhere he went for the rest of his life. There was no telling what kind of a prize fighter he'd have made, considering his athletic ability and his early success, perhaps a very good one. And yet in another profession he became unique, irreplaceable, one of a kind. Not as Lou King, not even under his real name, Louis Francis Cristillo. For once upon a tidal wave of laughter, there was a comedy team comprised of two verbal sparring partners, Bud Abbott, and a self-described bad boy, Lou Costello. Abbott and Costello, now you know the rest of the story. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend, 1-800-227-5278.